Fearless Creators Podcast, Episode 4. Welcome to the Fearless Creators Podcast. For online brave hearts who want to stand up from the crowd and stand up for their message. With content marketing strategies you can actually use. I'm your host Swapna Thomas and I will teach you how to market your message with fun and fearless content. Let's go! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fearless Creators Podcast. I'm absolutely thrilled at the response the last episode has received. If you haven't heard it, you must do that after you're done with this one. I talked to social media maven Pratibha Pal about the five fatal mistakes that might be killing your Facebook page. With almost 450 shares, this is definitely the most um, popular episode till now. However, I'm pretty sure that today's episode might rival that popularity because I'm talking to Jay Chris Crow from Chris Copy. Jay is a copywriting queen who has spent 13 years sharpening her creative claws in various corporate communication and marketing roles before investing in herself and taking her own gig on the road. She is definitely an advocate for the business blend and uses intuition, sharpen empathy, and a seriously high level of stalking to refine your brand voice. In this episode, Jay and I are talking about 10 cringeworthy words that you should avoid in your copy. Now, before anything else, let me make a huge disclaimer. If you are using any of these words or phrases in your copy, we are not trying to diss anyone. We are not trying to belittle anyone and certainly not trying to call anyone specific out. These are completely our personal opinions and unless they resonate with you, feel free to ignore us. And if they do resonate with you and you do make some changes in your copy after listening to us, please do let me know. You can hit me up on Instagram. Uh, I'm Swapna Thomas on Instagram and I would love to know if any of this struck a chord with you and you wanted to change your copy like I did after <laughs> talking to Jay. Now, this one is a long episode, but a really good one. So no more chit chat. Let's get right into it. Welcome to the podcast, Jay. I have to confess that I have a bit of a copy crush on you. And I think <laughs> your crisp copy is the stuff business dreams are made of. And that is why I'm so, so excited today to be talking to you. Oh, I'm so, so pleased to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I did stop and take stock a little bit when you proposed this subject matter <laughs> because um, I wonder if um, I'm perceived as a little bit judgmental about this kind of thing, but what I do for a living is help people take, you know, scrap their old overused words and find new ones. So, um, so I love talking about this stuff. And as you know, I can and get a little bit soapbox ranty about it. Mm. Ranty, mm. ranty is good. I think, you know, <laughs> it, 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 this world today needs polarization. You can't be uh-huh. neutral about anything. And, you know, uh, I think this is good that you are actually saying these things out loud because yeah. a lot of people don't even know what's happening to their copy, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of people that I work with have been um, DIYing for a couple of years and, um, you know, maybe when they started out they knew that they needed uh, a logo and pretty colours and social media and all that kind of thing and copywriting was something that still lots of people think has to do with um, legalities and IP. Um, But I think, you know, the more that we all talk about it, the more helpful it is for everybody to kind of get on board because what it really does is take people who are curious and turn them into um, either clients or advocates, which is um, means that you can continue to run a business. So <clears throat> I don't want to come across as a kind of red pen holding goody goody of a word nerd <laughs> who just kind of randomly takes people to task about their copy because I don't I only do that if you pay me to, ta- <laughs> to take you to task but you're absolutely right I don't think anyone wants to read another website that reads exactly like the last one that you just read by the competitor mm. so um and uh, you know probably a disclaimer from the get-go I mean these are a list of my least favorite words and phrases um in copy but by all means if if these resonate with you and your ideal client and if you would meet me face to face and call me a biz babe 
um, and that you know, and that's your brand, then knock yourself out. So we're going to get to that juicy part a little bit later <laughs> down the line. But uh, for now, tell me a little bit about your business and your founder story, you know, how you got into copywriting. And uh, has copy always been something that you live and breathe? I Writing has always been something that I live and breathe. Um, it was just one of those things that I was naturally inclined to do when I was little and all the way through high school I had a little um glitch where I studied dance for a long time and then went into musical theatre and studied musical theatre here at WAPA and my mother always um bemoaned the fact that I never did anything with that so I didn't become a star Mm. um and now it seems as if that all of that training about stepping into characters is paying off <laughs> because I've managed to combine the two things that I was only ever really good at into one business. Um, so um, after um, not becoming a musical theatre star, I went back to uni, I studied literature, I did creative writing as a major um, and then had children and I worked in 13 years um, for private schools and did communications. <clears throat> so generally independent schools, not a lot of budget. At one school, the philosophy was that you weren't even allowed to use the word marketing. So um, that was tricky. Uh, mm-hmm. Small budgets, lots of outside-the-box thinking. Um, and it was great for a really long time. It really suited my family because I had young children. And then um, I don't know what happened. I got really brave, which, um, again, my mother must talk about my mother a lot. Um, my mother thinks is insane because I'd spent 13 years in schools having school holidays <laughs> and then she's been working um, as a teacher forever um, and she's been at the same school for 26 years and when I said to her I'm going to quit my job and do this which is what I really love I figured out a way to write every single day and for somebody to pay me to do it she was like you can't give up private school education and I was like yes I can <laughs> so um <laughs> So it's just kind of morphed, probably like lots of people's, you know, business stories that started out as something that you thought that you would do, you know, as a hobby. And certainly when I was doing my arts degree, I didn't have any kind of forward thinking, thinking, of, you know, I was going to be a, a proper writer. Yeah. But the fact that people pay me to write things every day is such, I mean, blessed would probably be on my on my, on my list of least favourite words, but it's actually quite a blessing. Like who knew that you could run a family and pay the mortgage and send the kids to school and feed everybody <clears throat> and still get to do exactly what you want to do every day. Mm. Uh, so, Jay, uh, you know, Hemingway once said that you should <laughs> write drunk and edit sober. Put it sober. <laughs> so do you have a copy philosophy that you completely, you know, live by and you always try to incorporate that? I think that my I probably should have a copy philosophy I have lots of ideas about what I think about copy Um, I think probably my main objective for myself and other people is to we want a, a polished version of ourselves online but we also don't want to sound like everybody else and this year for me is really about stepping outside of that safe middle of the road copy that everybody's writing that sounds like you could have easily cut and pasted off somebody else's website. I don't want to read any more of that. I don't want to write any more of that. Um, I don't want my clients to have that. I want there to be copy that means something. Mm. It's not just a, you know, random words with some SEO keywords thrown in. Yeah. And I was looking at your website and one of the things that caught my eye was, you know, on your homepage, you write that it's not like you don't have the right words. Uh, It's just that I make your words sound uh, rocking and, you know, I make them come alive. And that is something I just want to take a moment to talk about, you know, when I I talk to a lot of clients about content. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that invariably comes up is uh, this whole idea that I'm not a writer. You know, Mm. how do I blog and consistently write copy or or even on Facebook posts, right? They just Mm. they feel so stuck about writing because they have this notion that I am not a writer. I have never been a writer. So how do Mm. I go about this? How do you reconcile that when it comes to your clients? You know, and I know you do a fair bit of copy coaching as well. So Mm. uh, how do you reconcile these uh, this this, uh, mistrust that they have in their own writing abilities? 
I think um, it's probably a little bit of therapy, which I'm not at all qualified to do, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) But generally, it's because somebody has said to them, you know, just like somebody said to me when I was doing year 11 art, that's not the way you do it. Somebody had said to them back in, you know, year five, well, this is not your forte or this is not your strength and this is not very good or you can't spell um, and you don't have great um, grammar and punctuation, which these days actually doesn't make a lot of difference. If you still decided that you wanted to be, you know, a novelist, Mm. then there are people in between you and the published novel that would make sure that all of those boxes were ticked. Um, I I think that that you, you just have to get back to the moment where you decided that this was not you And I think if you can articulate yourself and you can speak, then you have a fairly good foundation for writing your own, at least your own first draft for your own website copy. Mm. Um, Because in the end, and a lot of the people that come for me for copy coaching really have moved past that point where they think, I've, I've thought that I'm not very good at this for very, very many years and I'm not going to do that anymore and I'm going to see what I've got in there. I'm going to dig about and give it a poke and see what bubbles up. Mm. Um, and if it's not brilliant, then I've got this person on hand that's going to fix it for me before it goes live anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, who knows? Who knows why we tell ourselves these stories that we can do certain things and that we can't do certain things. I mean, I probably say on a daily basis, I can't count why I can, but, um, and, and, and similarly, you know, what I say on my, my homepage, like I can cook, I can, the children are not starving to death, but if I wanted to cater a dinner party, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cook for it. I would hire a professional that did it every single day and who loved it yeah. and was going to make something incredible that people would never, ever, ever forget. Mm. It's the same thing. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means that there are specialists out there that are going to make sure that it's schmick. Yeah. And it's like, you know, uh, something like a wardrobe stylist. It's like you dress yourself every day. You're good at it. But when a professional steps in and helps you make over for a party or, you know, a red carpet event, uh, it's a different thing. So you do do shine a little bit more than every day. (laughs) Absolutely. And because once you've implemented some rules, like when you work with somebody who who does this every day and they say, oh, these these are the kind of these are the frameworks I work with, once that makes sense to you, then you can think, of course, of course, all I need to do is import my messaging that I really feel deep down inside about my business into this framework so that it works effectively. Um, And that's the bit I guess that they don't have. They might have great words. They don't copy as much more about, you know, putting, structuring them in a way that's going to make a conversion happen. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about copy. So one of the things that sparked this episode was a Facebook (laughs) post that you wrote about ellipsis, you know, (laughs) of all the things in the world, it was about ellipsis and rather, I think it's overuse was what sparked that post. So and I saw on Twitter uh, that you you have a post where you say don't use punctuation to do a word's job. So obviously, as a, you know, copywriter, I know you see a lot of copy not just your clients but you know mm-hmm. generally you I'm sure you have that copywriter lens every time you look at a page of copy and <laughs> there are some cringeworthy uh, copy you know out there and yeah. y- yes like you said you know a disclaimer this is not a judgy McPants kind of no. episode we are not trying to do that but it's out of a place of complete love and the things that you know we do feel that they are easily remedied and I'm sure I'm, I have done some of those uh, ghastly mistakes in my copy as well uh, from time to time and still do. But I think uh, it's like a PSA kind of a thing, right? We have what we are doing here <laughs> just to let you know that sometimes uh, you might not want to use that particular word for something. Yeah. Yes, and, and it's like that, that rule. And I, also, I mean, I talk a lot about music as well because it, the, these are the two things that make sense to me. Um, and it is, it is like becoming a famous jazz musician. In order to become a famous jazz musician, you have to learn all of the music rules back to front and inside out so that you know how to break them. And once, so what, it's the same with copy. If you don't know that these things are damaging the way that people read you and the, the impact that your message has 
in their guts when they read it, then of course you you don't know not to do it. Mm-hmm. And ellipsis is one of those things where um, it, it came up because I ran a, a, a copy, um, a blogging course for 10 days with some ladies in my group. And um, one of them used um, – there were more dots than words. Um, (laughs) And I just said to her, you just lose all impact. And what it feels like is that you're not confident enough to finish a sentence and start a new one. And so, and then when you do mean it as like a mystery or a longing or um, as an invitation to keep reading, that's lost. There's no impact left. And that's what a lot of these words um, that happens to these words because we just read them so often that they don't even mean anything to us anymore. Mm. Uh, so I, I, lo- I love don't you, don't use punctuation to do a words job is not a J thing. Unfortunately, I did not write that. I stole that off the internet like all good people. <laughs> um, but it, it's really a really valid point because if you can't get across your message without 14 exclamation marks or this is my other huge one, yelling at people in all caps. Oh my goodness, what is that? Because if I met you and you yelled at me halfway through a sentence, I would never work with you. Don't like don't yell. I don't like to be yelled at. Mm. So um, if you can't get your message across without using those tools, then your message isn't powerful enough and you need to go back to your message rather than using more punctuation and more capital letters. Mm. So let's get into that. I believe you have around 10 cringeworthy <laughs> copy words and phrases that you would want uh, to get rid of, you know, all yes. the writers out there. I'm going to start from the top. And I guess, guess, guess what my least favorite word is. I know it is passionately. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And you know what? It's such a beautiful word. It's you know, it's such a it's such a meaningful word. And I think you know, it's it's correct to say that I that you are passionate about things in your life. I am passionate about my children. I am sometimes passionate about my marriage. Um, but I'm <laughs> dedicated and excellent in my field. But I wouldn't say that I'm passionate about it mm. because I'm a little bit passionate about passionate, so stop me if I get too ranty. <laughs> it's not just because we use the word incorrectly because it has kind of two meanings and one of the meanings is um, um, some synonyms is like intense and zealous and heated and feverish, emotional, fanatical. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to work with somebody who's fanatical. That's odd. Frenzied, violent. Um, uncontrollable. So I don't want to work with an accountant who is uncontrollably, ragingly violent, violent about finance. Mm. Like that's not what I want from him or her. Um, and I think that passionate um, in a very true sense of what the word means, um, besides meaning that you have strong beliefs or feelings about something, can be too... Um, heated. I, I don't think it's the correct word to use about the way that you feel about your business because you don't feel uncontrolled raging about your business. Yeah. Um, it, it's <clears throat> You don't. And if you do, then there's probably something wrong and you need some mindset working to balance <laughs> out a little bit. Um, the other thing is, is that it, it, it also means lustful. And I don't know that that's always an appropriate term to have <laughs> I know if I read, you know, I'm somebody was passionate about bookkeeping, I would have second yeah. thoughts on working with right. them. Or I'm passionate about dogs. Well, that's not right. Mm. You know, it, it's it's an odd, it, it's that odd sense that you just kind of think, is that the right word? And then if you're not thinking that's the right word, what happens is, is that it's so overused that it doesn't mean anything at all. Mm. Um, so if you, I, I would challenge you to go on any about page that hasn't been um, written by a copywriter or hasn't had some input and not find the word passionate in it. Mm. So, yeah, you're exactly, you're exactly right. I'm a passionate life coach. I'm a passionate wellness specialist. I'm a passionate cat groomer. Um, so I think even though it means that you feel or believe something strongly as well as all the other meanings, it's also overused that you may as well use the word good. Like I may as well just write on my website, yeah, I'm pretty good at this. Mm. Like it's lost all impact Um, because what you really want to know when you're trying to express how excited you are about the work that you do in copywriting, what you really want your reader to know instead of using the word passionate is that I wake up every morning, I'm locked and loaded, I'm jumping out of my skin excited to write for you. It's not a hobby. It's not an in-between job. It's my favourite thing to do for a career. 
that's what you want to know about me, not that I'm passionate about copywriting. Mm, that's so good. <laughs> I love that. Good. So uh, that was, yeah, uh, it just, it's, it's, it's not necessary. Let's strike it. Let's keep it for where it belongs, which is yeah. probably Valentine's Day. Yeah. And uh, just before we move to the next word, do you think uh, this also comes up, you know, probably because people want to use heavy words in their copy sometimes? Yes. And it's such a big, that's such a big concept because what happens is, is if you use, if you write your copy like you speak and then you go to thesaurus.com and you change every third word to mean a, a, to a bigger word, you're not helping yourself. What you're doing is creating a massive mismatch between what you're saying on your website and what you're actually going to say when the client sits down in front of you. And then what will happen is they will think, I don't really trust this person. I don't feel like I'm getting, I don't think like I'm getting a, a proper view of who they are as a business and a brand because you haven't created a level of trust and you don't sound any more clever by using big words, yeah. I don't think, unless um, you a dictionary yeah. and it totally reminds me of this episode in friends when joey is trying to write a love letter or something to someone and he or or i think it was um, uh, an adoption letter a letter of recommendation for someone and he uses thesaurus to replace every single word out there it was a, it was a disaster at least to say yeah so you might want to you might want to turn me off at this point because um i have to admit that i have never watched um, full episode of friends all the way through. <laughs> oh my so god we can still be friends <laughs> i think i'm having a mini heart attack right now but that's okay <laughs> i'll i'll get over it <laughs> that's okay. Okay. okay so what's the next next word on your list oh my next word is definitely that um and we say it so when i when i always tell people you know just write down how you would speak about this of course all the that's come out um and i use it but really any filler words. So um, the Mark Twain quote, uh, sorry, the Hemingway quote is is fabulous, <clears throat> but I always say to people, um, uh, write with abandon and edit mercilessly. And that's where that all that extra fluff, any that's, any varies, any of those words that don't mean anything, they can come out. Um, more words is not necessarily better in copywriting. And um, Lynette, I was I was saying this at a, at a at a in a class recently, and Lynette was in from Kits and Bits was in the um, in the class, and she taught me this really great trick, which was so awesome. I didn't even know about it. Um, to find filler words in your copy, you go to Google search and you type in the search bar the offending word. So in in this case, it would be that T H A T, and then a little space, and then site like the website, and then um, uh, your like crispcrow.com.au and it will tell you all of the pages mm. and how many that's you have on your entire website so you can do the same thing for very so mark twain said i love this quote this is such a good one um substitute damn every time you're inclined to write very your editor will delete it and the writing will be just as it should be mm. which is just means we do not need any of those varies Oh, wow. I love that hack. And I think the there is an app called Hemingway app, which also oh, does the I same thing. Hemingway. Yeah, it does. So I run, I tell all my clients to download the free version of Grammarly and to download Hemingway. They do two different things, but basically they pick up anything excess. And what I love about Hemingway is that because I like copy to feel like music where you have like a short short long and and it starts somewhere and it has a crescendo and then it resolves itself mm. Hemingway lets you, allows you to do that because it tells you when there's too many long sentences or too many short sentences and it helps you balance them out a little bit so that you have some rhythm so that your reader feels as if they're being kind of almost cha-cha through or whatever their their whatever your brand song would be mm. salsa through your page um on this nice little roll that doesn't make them think, oh, I might just go and check Facebook. <clears throat> so anything similarly to like very um, and that is anything too kind of adverby, like totally, actually, really, suddenly. Um, so they often can be used unnecessarily mm. and a lot of the time if you cull all of those adverbs, your coffee becomes more powerful. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. So what's the next phrase? <laughs> the next is actually, um, I think actually is kind of condescending. 
I think it it implies that you're disagreeing with the point that your reader may not have even made yet. So when we write... When we're trying to converse with somebody over website copy, we have to be really aware that the conversation is a little bit one way. So we're always trying to guess. That's what all that work with our ideal clients is about, trying to guess what their frustrations are and trying to guess what solutions they need, um, doing a whole lot of market research. Um, so obviously we're not guessing. Um, and then answering the questions that they haven't had a chance to, to ask yet. But when you say things like, actually, you don't, you're not empathising or resonating with your reader and you may be making them feel belittled Mm. and so like passionate and the word literally actually is fast becoming just another filler word and it simply isn't necessary if you're trying to get your reader on board Mm. wow i never actually actually never thought of that I think I'm, you know, I'm going after this uh, episode, I'm just going to go and look at my copy (laughs) with a fresh set of eyes. (laughs) But these conversations are great. I mean, I I know you and I have had, you know, Facebook uh, over the Facebook conversations before where I've gone away and gone, oh my goodness, I need to do that right now. Mm. And it's fabulous to have these conversations. It's not, you're right, it's not even meant to be judgmental. It's just supposed to be, I've noticed that this um, is, it damages. Um, brands and messages and so if if it's a quick fix why wouldn't you pop in there and and do a couple of those things um this next one I kind of wanted to ask you about because because you're in it um on the other side of the world to me um this is quite an Australian thing and I've noticed it it's kind of it looks like it's kind of bled into Australian copy in the last couple of years um and that's the word overwhelm and it's a really American thing to say. Um, so up until, yeah, a couple of years ago, I had never read the word overwhelm in a sentence like I'm bombarded with it every single time I turn on my laptop now. Mm. So like we have um, titles for courses like quit the overwhelm and from overwhelm to organised. And overwhelm is a verb. So it describes like a state of being. But in Australia, we would normally say overwhelmed, like I'm overwhelmed or it's overwhelming. I have never actually heard somebody say out loud, I want to move past the overwhelm in a real life sentence. Mm. And so, yeah, it, yeah, I think it ties into one of those best rules of engaging copywriting for non-technical industries is to ensure that you don't write sentences you wouldn't say out loud. Mm. So in India we we have the Queen's English, so mm-hmm. it's the I think it's the same. It's it's a very American word to say overwhelm as a standalone word. Like I would always use it as a verb. Like oh mm. I am overwhelmed. So yeah, mm. and I think it's one of the words that I you know particularly find very um, meaningless right now because mm. it's been overused a lot and. Uh, Everything seems to be an overwhelm. You're not overwhelmed all the time over everything. So, you know, it has lost that edge that it had yeah. probably the first, you know, the first few years it was just starting to be used. But now yeah. it feels like, you know, uh, everything is overwhelming us. And mm-hmm. I can't even bring myself to talk, you know, say the word overwhelm alone. <laughs> like it just doesn't make sense to me. It has to be overwhelmingly or overwhelmed or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I get that. Mm. Yeah, and I think it. I think what it says to your if you if you have Australian clients, what it's or, or anybody that obviously speaks or writes the Queen's English, what it says is that you are following a trend rather than thinking about them when you're writing the copy, and that's not what you want. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, ditch the overwhelm. Yeah, yeah, ditch the overwhelm. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I think that's a really good point about um, looking at who are you serving. And yes, we are serving a global market now, but global doesn't need to mean American all the time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, look at yes. you know, what kind Let's of thing that. <laughs> Hashtag, <laughs> yes. Yay. So what's okay, the next so- my next is we, and we seems like a rather unobtrusive word to be offended about, but I have two nitpicks with we. Um, so writing we when you're an I is probably one of my biggest, um, the, the things that I talk about with copy clients the most um, mm. because sometimes when you are starting out and you're by yourself and you want to appear bigger than you actually are, you say we as an agency or a, a bigger business than you are. A, it's dishonest. Mm. And B, I actually want to buy from an I. 
I want to know who the buck stops here lady is. I don't want to be fibbed to and think make and and kind of have that weird feeling that maybe you're trying to be bigger than you are. Mm. And I also want bespoke, which is one of my favourite words, but some of the people don't like, but I'm using it because it makes me feel like a custom design suit on a good looking man. I love mm. the word bespoke. Mm. So even if you're a we, if you are a we, if you have like a big company or you have an agency and there's five or six of you or 20 of you or 100 of you and you're constantly writing we in website copy, the other way that it can fall down on larger company websites is lots of we's make the reader feel like the website is all about the company when in fact the copy needs to be all about the reader, their frustrations, outlining how the company can provide solutions. So I think even if you're a we, make sure that you are not overweighing yeah Yeah, i have definitely seen a a lot of that you know people trying to use we instead of i and it makes them uncomfortable it literally makes them uncomfortable to write i as if you know it it somehow makes their business uh, illegitimate like it's not Mm. a valid business because Mm. it's just them and Mm. it's it's pretty uh, easy to see through that you know, when yes. when you look at a website or look at someone's work and they are constantly referring to the we part of it, uh, it it's it's uh, I would yeah, like you said, you know, I wouldn't trust that person. It it would immediately put me in a dissonance, state of dissonance, and yes. uh, yeah, and and yeah. I think I and you is probably the most powerful word anyway in copy it rather is. than I, <laughs> but uh, yeah, in if I had to use. Uh, you know, f- uh, talk about myself, then I would rather use I than we at any given We the Swapner. Like the swap- <laughs> <laughs> um, so this next one I think only belongs on posters with kittens and fluffy clouds. It doesn't mean anything anymore. I think it's I think it's overused probably more than even literally, which we say when we actually don't mean literally, we even say it. And it kind of makes me vomit a little bit. Um, and that is the word inspirational. I think inspirational should be banned from the English language. <laughs> and I think that it that it's a little bit like passionate because it's sad because it's a it, it the word has fabulous meaning because you can be inspired by your ideas, you can be inspired by your mental, you can be inspired by your business, but pick a less over the top word or just a better word. So um, I have some better words that people can use. They can steal them today. You can have embolden, excite, spark. Spark is an awesome copy word. Mm. Um, Exhilarate, infuse. Um, Secondly, I think this is a really important point to make. Don't use the word inspirational to discuss people with disabilities or anything to do with wellness. Um, I think that that cannot be said enough. Uh, and if you want to read more, um, there's some really great blogs by a lady called Carly Findlay Morrow or um, Stella Young did a TED Talk about it. <clears throat> so I think when you think about well, I want to talk about being inspirational, I want to talk about giving inspirational um, uh, gifts to the world, think about what are you really trying to say. Mm. So when I think about being inspired by women that I work with, I think that um, in certain capacities they make me feel worthy or capable or seen. Yep. They embolden me with new ideas. They lift me up when I'm questioning myself. I just think that there are much more effective ways to explain inspiration than using the word because we'll just gloss over it. It's like reading and And then my next one is just because that's a girly thing, I think. <laughs> and that's a broad generalisation. I've got it my huge brush and just made a broad generalisation across the female population. But I think it's time for us to say to not – say just because we are not just anything Mm. so we need to stop being sorry and that's probably my next word is segue into sorry (laughs) apologizing before I used to I used to send people copy edits and the email would say please don't be offended and my mum read what I talk about my mum all the time my mum read one one day and she was like why are you apologizing for something that somebody's paid you to do stop Mm. being sorry about it like they want you to pick it apart yeah yeah so no more sorries sorry (laughs) <laughs> but I just have to go, you know, uh, quickly add two points to what you just said. One mm-hmm. is about the word inspirational. And when mm-hmm. you said, you know, words like emboldened and spark, yeah. um, I always try to write copy which evokes mental pictures. And I think words yeah. like spark and, you know, um, even emboldened, uh, they give me a much clearer and vivid pictures, mental pictures of somebody mm-hmm. actually feeling exhilarated or you know jumping out of the bed rather than really bland words like I think inspirational is a really bland word it doesn't make Mm. me feel anything Anything. uh, probably because it has been overused but also because it's such a 
you know, it's such a yeah. meh, meh word. I, I just don't connect to it emotionally. It doesn't evoke any kind of emotions in me. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there are far more better words to use. And yeah. uh, the other point about when you said, you know, about just and sorry, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, uh, if you have read the book Playing Big, you completely mm-hmm. get what you're saying. You know, I, I completely get what you're saying about the word just and sorry and how they diminish our power every single day. And especially mm-hmm. if you're using it in your copy, uh, it sends a very clear message that you are not really sure about yourself. Yes. You know? And uh, yes, so absolutely. I'm completely on board with you. Like there is no mm-hmm. need to have the word just in there. Mm-mm. I used to send, um, because I always ran communications at school, and my every single email to anybody, it didn't matter whether it was to a government official or a, a teacher's aide, would start with, um, I apologise, but I'm just writing this email to you to let you know. Like, I, like I'd taken two steps back away from any kind of authority before I'd even imparted any kind of message. Mm. Um, it was such a natural thing for me to do and not until I really started digging about and I still do it um uh, I was talking to um, Melanie Gray who does the IT for me the other day and she said do you know how many times that you've apologized during this Facebook conversation Mm. and I was okay I do I do it it's a natural thing to just kind of go oh you know don't notice me back here because I'm just doing a little thing um hopefully I'm doing a pretty good job at it it's not it's not really what we the message we should be sending out about ourselves um so. Yeah, and, and another note on Queen's English, because, you know, we are taught uh, everything is in Queen's English here. So for a long mm-hmm. time, people were also taught letter writing in Queen's English. And mm-hmm. maybe it was the effect of colonization. Or I don't mm-hmm. know how, whether that is true for all Queen's English. Uh, there yeah. are words like I beg of you and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm, you know, begging was somewhere you know, inherently built into the letter yeah. writing. And yeah. uh, uh, it always used to rile me up. Like, why do I need to use this word? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Why am I begging my boss to take a leave? Or, you know, when we used to write these letters uh, of leave for in our school um, as homework or something. And mm. um, yeah, so getting rid of that programming takes a little bit of a time it and does. a complete shift of mindset, right? It does. And I think, you know, um, the process that I take people through to write their copy is to just do um, that one, you know, that first draft, don't take any more than 30 minutes, dump it all out. So you can't be editing yourself as you're writing. So that's where it's really helpful to go back and do a second hard edit and then another one and pick up all those little things that are a little bit inherent and that maybe you could afford to to not publish and just just take them out because um, because then yeah then they're not supporting you your story your business your anything. Hmm. So so do we have a next word or are we already yes, done? No, we have some next words. So you're going to have to cut me short if we run out of um, if we run out of time. I, I talked about this a little bit this morning. So. Um, Anything that is familiar, so honey, ladies love, sweet, anything that is on that end of the spectrum up to bra, my homies, dog, peeps. <laughs> um, because I think if you want a honey bunch up to your peeps, bra, you do it on social media, you don't do it in website copy. I think it's too familiar and it takes it makes some readers take an unconscious step back from, from you and your brand. Mm. I think that it's condescending sometimes if you call people honey or ladies given that you're still keeping in mind that it's, it can't be a two-way conversation so you can't gauge the reaction the first time somebody you say sometimes the first time you say to somebody hey um, this is what you're going to get out of this honey if they kind of go <gasps> in a real life conversation you don't do it again but you can't you don't have that capacity in a website so you have to err on the side of I know I'm saying in one breath don't be safe and in the other breath saying err on the side of caution but I think it is your, your reader is there to be empathised with um, and engaged and excited about you, not to feel uncomfortable. Mm. So um, I, I think that it can come off as sometimes too intimate and sometimes a little bit condescending. So I think scrap that yeah. um, altogether. Totally. Yep, I agree. Yeah. And so then I came to um, uh, what you were talking about a little bit 
before about anything that that sounds like and then or this happened or feels like you're one step removed from the story. So my daughter recently wrote her first book. Mm-hmm. She had this kind of Anne Rice moment, six weeks, writing daily over the Christmas break. And when we got to editing it, I explained this to her and she really got it. And it was really fascinating because she's 13 and a half and some of my copy clients I've been trying to get them to feel like what this means for a long time. And she was like, oh, my goodness, that totally makes sense to me. Mm. So don't tell us what happened. Mm. Put us in that moment instead. Mm. And this means you never have to stand on the outside of the action as a writer and describe, and then this happened, and then this happened. You can be in it, and then you take us with you. And here's another good Mark Twain quote, because, goodness, he's full of handy writing tips. (laughs) Don't say the old lady screamed, bring her on and let her scream. So have that situation playing out right in front of the reader's eyes. What did you feel like? What could you smell? What could you see? What did your skin behave like? Did your heart slow or did it race or did it skip? Take us into that story because then you've hooked us in and we won't even think about bouncing out to the next website. Oh, I love that. And I think I'm all about using, you know, uh, words as mental pictures and evoking Mm -hmm. emotions, like literally making people feel things when they're reading something. So, yeah, I love this. Yeah, good. All right. Let's get to anything preneur because last time, (laughs) last time I talked about this, um, I suggested that we could – I, I was not an entrepreneur. I nearly got hung on and quartered on Facebook. So unless you are an entrepreneur and it resonates with you, mm. I think, again, call yourself exact, call yourself whatever you like. It's your business and it's your brand and it's your life. If you want to be a dancerpreneur, you get your tap shoes on and be one. But I don't know if I am an entrepreneur. And as I said, when I said this in a couple of Facebook forums, I got a whole lot of people telling me that I am. <laughs> <laughs> but... For me, the meaning is a person who sets up a business or businesses taking on financial risks in the hope of profit. So according to the dictionary, that's what entrepreneurs do. And I don't think that that's what I'm doing. So I just wanted to write and make enough money to cover the expenses um, that I was paid for as an employee. I want to profit but when I start turning a big profit, I'm not going to flip my business. I'm not probably not going to sell it. Yeah. I probably won't ever set up a second or third business. I think I'm a small business owner. I think I'm a copywriter. Um, if you want to get really fancy, I'm, you know, I'm a creative in business. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know that I'm an entrepreneur and I think it might be slightly overused. Mm. And then if we discuss the word mumpreneur, will your podcast blow up? <laughs> I, I don't think I would have the, uh, you know, the the bandwidth to have that kind of discussion on my podcast right now but here's another one which uh, really riles me up is fempreneur oh my goodness (laughs) what is that I think anything that has to do like I've written here in my notes lady parts because that's what it makes me feel like if we are going to label ourselves and I know that some people wear it really proudly Mm. Um, I just wonder if we can question for one second whether adding the gender into our title demeans what we do Mm. Um, and again why does it make a difference does being a mother make me less adequate at providing the service I do it I, I think again if it sits well with you be loud and proud about it but also always question what messages we're putting out to the world about ourselves and our businesses so you know things like boss lady and I like copywriting queen business chick biz babe I think they're all cute and they help us like hashtag and find each other and create supportive women in business communities and sometimes I love them but sometimes it also makes me angry that we have to separate ourselves in that way Mm. so I don't really know how I feel about fempreneur is weird fempreneur is a little bit weird um yeah I don't know. About it is them. definitely weird. I I, yeah. I saw somebody uh, talk about Frempreneur. Uh, you know, it seems like a feminine hygiene product. Doesn't it? <laughs> and it does. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it oh, yeah I just I it's just not a it's not a, a, as you say right copy to put visual you know imagery in people's minds like mm. it's not not a yeah. good not a good word it's not, it's not a good one um I think um it, it basically and to wrap up any word that you wouldn't use naturally in a sentence so if you wouldn't sit down across from a business meeting with your client and speak those kinds of words um, then your website copy really is an extension of that ongoing conversation. So if there is an arctic sea between your website messages and the things that come out of your mouth, mm-hmm. your 
client will lose trust in your brand. So whatever words you choose to use, even if it's fempreneur and passionate and actually and literally and you use ellipsis and exclamation marks, just make sure that it's consistent and then when they meet you that that comes across. Um, So I think, you know, like the word bespoke that so many people dislike and I absolutely love, Mm -hmm. I just think, well, it's your copy. Figure out what words make your client feel the way that I feel about a man in a designer suit Mm. and bespoke and use them, but use them everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. I think, yeah, some of it, you know, all of the words that we have talked about here might not um, evoke the same kind of reaction in everyone. (laughs) And that's not the point even, right? But it's just to... probably shine a light on like why are you using a particular phrase or word is it because Mm. everybody else is using it and you feel that it needs to be used or is it because you it really means something to you and it it speaks to you and your ideal clients and that is the only you know probably the biggest point that we want to drive in here Mm. oh and such a juicy conversation jay i'm really feeling (laughs) excited about you know just having another look at my copy because i'm i'm uh, working on my website right now and I'm writing a whole lot of copy for that so it this conversation is really really timely for me and such a godsend for me good good and I don't think anybody should feel bad because um if you could see the back end of my wordpress website where I have 175 revisions of my own about page um we all do it we learn something new and we go in and we tweak things and we change things that's the great thing about website copy is that you can edit it (laughs) absolutely it's never the end of the world it's not I think if you if you have been using one of these words because um, of one of the reasons you mentioned or just because maybe it's safe because everybody else is doing it, you think, well, that's the accepted thing and I'll just play safe and I'll just use it, then, you know, try something. Try try what you actually mean and see how it goes mm. with your readers. Okay. So before I let you go, I have a few rapid fire style questions to ask you. And uh, so uh, you can be rapid. And if you choose not to be rapid, that's also okay. (laughs) You know me, I do waffle. I don't do rapid. I always have to edit to get to rapid. (laughs) That's not a problem. So my first question is, um, is there a copywriting ritual? Like just before you sit down to write copy, do you have like a personal ritual that you follow? Uh, I have a ridiculous glass see-through desk that has to be cleaned because the cat lays on my laptop at night. Um, (laughs) So every single morning I get up and I wipe down the glass desk. Um, uh, Basically, once I get the children out of the door, if I'm having a shower, I can barely wait to get in front of the laptop. Mm. That's how good my job is. Mm. It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that's what all of us want, right? To have that good of a job that we can't just wait to get to it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And who's your favorite author? Oh my goodness, this is the hardest question of all time. <laughs> uh, all of them. Um, I, I am uh, just. I would read anything. I have no standards. <laughs> <laughs> I love novels. I don't do. Um, I don't do self-help or business books very well. Uh, I'd rather um, go to a class and learn from somebody, but I would read any novel at any time. I think probably um, Lady Chatterley's Lover probably changed my life mm-hmm. when I read it when I was about 14. Um, and the most recent book I read was a book by a new WA author called Ripple and it made me want to move down south and so, you know, and everything in between. Shantaram probably. I've read about 17 times. Mm. I told you I couldn't do rapid. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, okay, if there was a book that you would want to recommend everyone that they should read before they wrote a single word of copy, what book yeah. that, would that be? Uh, probably uh, Stephen King's um, on writing because mm. it is broad enough that you will be able to glean something magical that you never had considered before. Mm beautiful and I think I have I already know the answer to this one but maybe you have another word what's your favorite word oh um serendipity is my favorite word okay so I was I was thinking maybe it was bespoke but it I like that (laughs) serendipity no I love serendipity I love the meaning and it's got a cute little sound to it It sounds like somebody's skipping which is like um you know it's onomatopoeia it's a little skip in it I love it Mm. best word ever 
and it, I can only think of the movie when I hear that word. You know, it just brings me back to that movie all the time. Yeah. Uh, okay, and because we are all about being fearless here, what's mm-hmm. the most fearless leap that you have taken in your life or in your business? Uh, I think that probably just starting this business, probably um, having that the voice of my mother and the safe call of an endless um, career in education and saying I'm not going to do that and I'm going to be able to stand on my own two feet even though I, you know, I, I ne- didn't know how to do a tax return or a BAS or, um, and even though I have managed um, an illness my entire life that means that if I don't work for three weeks then the mortgage doesn't get paid. There was that just immense fear and I went to the Ubud Writers Festival last year <clears throat> and um, I still carried that fear around with me all the time and I sat in front of Magda Zabansky and she said, fearlessness is not about being brave. Fearlessness mm. is being terrified and doing it anyway. Yeah. And it lifted the, the burden of feeling guilty about feeling fearful and I just went, okay, I'm a fearful writer. Yep. That's what I'm going to do. I'm a fearful business owner. I'm going to feel that fear and I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to do it again. Oh, I, I'm so happy you said that because that's the entire, you know, motto of my podcast is that it's not about an absence of fear that that, that never goes away. You know, whatever level you're on, how much money you have made, fear is always going to be a constant companion. But it is um, being uh, moved enough by your, uh, you know, what you stand for and what you want to do in life and doing it despite that fear is what counts. And uh, I think that's what makes us the fearless founder that we are. Mm, so thank you so much for uh, this juicy, juicy conversation today, Jay. I can't believe that, you know, um, it has been almost 50 minutes and I still can go on for another 50 because this conversation was so good. Uh, and before I before I let you go, uh, just tell us our listeners, how can they know more about you, your website, your, um, you know, where all can they connect with you? Oh, I'm on all the chatty places online and basically you can find my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, everywhere that I chatty, chat, chat, chat on my website, which is um, www.crispcrow, so crisp like apples and crow like the bird, .com.au. Mm. And even your word, your your name has so much of copy. I love that. Like all the good copy is there in your word. Well, I will thank my husband for um, marrying me as we have to have this crazy last name. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you, Swapna. This was the most fun ever. So thank you so much. I could talk words with you all the day long. We must do it sometime again soon, hopefully. (laughs) Thank you. Wasn't that delectable? Yes, that happens to be one of my favorite words. Jay has given such fabulous copy advice that I'm going to be listening to this one again and again. If you would like to know more about Jay, please follow her on Instagram at crispcopy and all her other contact information is in the show notes. Now, if you like this episode, please do share the love on Facebook or Instagram If you are a bold and ambitious creative coach, then do join my free Facebook community, Fearless Creators Club. I will be back in your ears in the next episode. Until then, stay fearless.